I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to the 8th Better Podcasting live chat. I am Stephen John Drew, and to my left, I believe is what it is, my left, it is Stargate Pioneer. How's everybody doing? This is a big week here. It is the week in between the Canadian three-day, actually four-day weekend, and the American three-day weekend that officially starts summer. So it was three days for it was Canada? three days, but I had an extra day off, so I had four oh, days. Okay. You know, but the so, thing is, though, we recognize that I am the most important Canadian, so I'm glad that you recognize that. Thank you. Appreciate that. You might be the only Canadian that I'm currently talking to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you haven't checked this out before, here is where we do a little bit of live chats on the weeks that we're not recording Better Podcasting proper. If you want to check out either of these shows, you can over at betterpodcasting.com. Uh, we call this Better Podcasting Live Chat because we do take questions during the show, if someone wants to go and uh, to our chat room over at geeks.live, they can ask us a question. Some people have asked us stuff in advance. And other times we just talk about the banana gif that one of the people in the chat have posted. It's from Suncast. He likes bananas. And it's one of the minions from Despicable Me. And I have to make a confession. I've never seen a full movie with the minions. I've seen like snippets. I've seen clips, but I've never seen a full movie that's Despicable Me or the minions. Uh, I have seen pieces as well, and I have young kids, so I probably should have seen seen them all. Heck, I've not actually seen the full Frozen yet. Uh, I have seen that many times. One of my sons was very obsessed with it when it came out. Okay. I mean, we all have those. My little sister loved Mary Poppins, the original Mary Poppins when it came out. We had a VCR tape of it, and she ran it over and over and over and over again, much like I am sure that people that play their favorite podcast over and over and over again, it uh, starts to wear out whatever podcast listening device they're using. You can't say tape. I think you should say tape. Okay. Well, one <laughs> of the things that was big with tape back in the day is you could run backups. I'm not currently running my backup. My backup is program is off because we experience connection issues all the time with it. And I don't have it going on right now. However, we talked about backups on the official Gonna Geek show or official Better Podcasting show last week. And we were talking about. Uh, the fact that we are both using backblaze right now for backups. Back and there was a place. Yeah, there was a question in our discord about backblaze about uh, having to organize your data before you back it up. And the great thing about backblaze is it doesn't care. It just backs up absolutely everything on your computer. Yeah, that was a fun little uh, discussion because I admit I am a data pack rat. I have not only am I a data pack rat, I have such an organization problem with my data. And so I do have it across many, many different drives. And I've lost track of where I have things. And so back when I was trying other options, I did actually have to for a while try to manage that better. But it didn't work out because 
It just was like someone else's forced organization. You know, it's like it's like when you hire SP to come into your house and clean it up. And then you're like, wait, where did SP put my pots and pans? It's like that. So I love Backblaze because I clicked a button and it said back up my computer and it backs it up exactly as it is, which is actually whether you're organized or not, that's what you want. You want it so that when if something goes wrong, you hope you're not. But if something goes wrong and you have to pull that backup down, it's exactly as you left off. You throw another drive in, you pull it down, and everything's exactly where you left it. That's what you want. And if you have multiple drives, you want them on those specific drives. So I, uh, I'm i a big Backblaze fan. I have not had to do a big recovery before, but I have actually gone in there a couple times to find some files. The last time I did a reinstall, I completely forgot to... Pull, pull the information that I had, the limited information that I had stored on my primary OS drive. And I was like, I actually used a new drive and I could go down and I could disconnect my current drive or I could go in and plug in my old drive or I could just go to Backblaze and just download it. And that's all I did. I was just like, yeah, I'm too lazy to plug in my drive. So it worked out. It worked out. And uh, a couple random things like that. I have yet to pull data from the Backblaze, but I do know it gives you the choice of bringing down individual files or a group of files in some sort of zip file. And we'll see how that goes. And that's why I still recommend a local backup, like a USB external drive or something like that. I mean, I'm just a backup. Just I'm, I'm nuts about backing up stuff. And it's just driving me nuts that... I lost data, not not all the data, but a little bit of the data, some of the data. And I guess I just should feel relieved that through my just obsession about backing up data that I didn't lose everything on the drive. I was able to retain well over a terabyte of data. I don't have any clue how much data was on there when it stopped, like one one point three terabytes, something like that. But there was about 1.2 terabytes that I was able to to get back. So that's cool. And it, it doesn't matter what sort of uh, backups that you are organizing with Backblaze. Uh, it might make retrieval a little bit difficult if you don't know what you're looking for, though. Let's go to a question that we had earlier today, which was from Yakko.org. And he said, have you been moving your feeds into Google Podcast Manager? What's the experience been for you? I had an issue with a feed that I have for a single show being confused with one I have as an all shows feed. It took a week or so, but Google GPM, Google Play, Google Podcast Manager support worked it out and was able to have them separated so I could add both to my dashboard. So I went and I... Well, let's find out what this experience is like. And I pulled up the Google Podcast Manager and I'm like, cool. I know I've seen other information about how else I could do this, but let's see what this is like as a new user. And I went in, I'm like, I see an empty dashboard. I could add a URL in here. Hmm, maybe I'll add a URL in. No, I see there's a button up here where it says I could transfer my Google Play podcast to my Google Podcast Manager. So I clicked that, to which I was waiting to be able to say, I want to select these podcasts to be able to transfer. 
And it just did it. It just went and it grabbed all of the podcasts without me having to do anything else that I had in my account under Google Play Podcasts and started the transfer process to me. Now, here's the thing. Only one of them actually transferred right away. The other two, I had to go and do a verification. I believe it's to do with who the author was listed as and something like that. And the the one of them was better podcasting. And I actually didn't want to do that because technically the feed's under SP's name. And I didn't want to have him randomly have a message being like, someone's trying to take your podcast. And that's what happened was because when I clicked that transfer button, it automatically tried to pull all of them that I had in there. Uh, SP got that. And he I, I waited a minute. And he sent me a message. Are you trying to claim ownership of it? And to which we then pulled out the big long contract that we had. And I, I showed him that. No, that's not true. But um, he did message me. And, you know, we got it figured out because we're both on there now and listed because you can go in and you can add another person as an admin to the podcast. But it, that was the only real hiccup I had was that it didn't ask me which ones I wanted to pull. Actually, I lied. There was a second hiccup. For some reason, the Gonna Geek show showed up twice. Mm-hmm. Yet it was it was in there twice, both the same email address, but it's only once in my Google Play podcast. So something weird happened there, and only one of them could I actually get properly in there because the one, once I went through and I got the code and I entered it in there, it worked fine. And then I went to the second one that was listed and it said someone else has already claimed this, which was me because I had just claimed it on the other one and I can't delete it out of my dropdown. So I'm assuming it'll d- disappear eventually. I have three better podcastings in my list. I also have Legends of Shield Longbox Edition, Legends of Shield, Starling Tribune, Voices of Defiance, all my podcasts only appear once. Better podcasting appears three times. One is pending verification. And when I go into the pending verification, it gives me a bunch of blank stuff, literally blank. I can't even see what the RSS feed is. And it says enter a podcast or enter. Yeah, enter a podcast RSS feed is what it says. And if I enter the actual RSS feed for better podcasting, it says it's already in there. So I have no idea what that pending verification is. I'd like Steven said, I hope that is deleted at one point. There are two better podcasting RSS feeds for Google. One was the normal RSS feed. One is the Libsyn. Remember this, Steven. Libsyn has a bunch of de- destinations, and we elected to try the destination for Google Play Music. So its destination is not ending in RSS. It ends in GPM for Google Play Music. That is going nowhere right now, literally, because Google has the RSS feed. It doesn't have the GPM. So we might eventually delete that, but it's listed as a separate RSS feed, same podcast, just different RSS feed in my Google Podcast Manager. Well, then, I guess that means that uh, you're going to get paid double the zero dollars that you're earning. Still zero. Still zero. I don't know how that multiplication math works in Canada, but here in the United States, when you multiply by zero, it's still zero. I actually know what it is. You know what it is? You know why there's two in there? Because they went, hey, they're a podcast about podcasting, and they that must mean that they like inflated statistics. That's what it meant. Yeah, because, of course, (laughs) we try all sorts of tricks to try to inflate our statistics for our hobby podcast. Exactly, right? Yeah. 
Right. Not. <laughs> okay. So I would love to know what other people's experience has been with it. Um, it's, I don't know. It's pretty. There's, it's weird. Uh, it's, I'm not pretty? sure I, I, don't I know trust if I the data it... integrity yet. Yeah. I don't know if I would call it pretty. It's pretty Spartan to me. Maybe that's what I like simple like things right now because so many sites have been revising their their websites to be multiple clicks and too many features. And I feel like we're headed the total wrong direction with websites. So I find such a simple website like this unbelievably pretty. Well, it's not pretty. It's just simple. It's pretty to me. It's functional to you. Pretty functional. You never let me finish my sentence. That's pretty functional. That's what I was going to say. Well, thank you for bringing that up in the Discord server, Jeremy. That's Yakko Dog G. <laughs> Wait, did you yeah, did you yeah. now change it from Yakko.org to Yakko Doctor to Yak Yakko Dog? Dog? Is that what you said? Yakko Dog or something? I think it's, it's yeah, it's Yak <laughs> Yakko. Dot org is what his, well, his username technically, is. if I remember correctly here, as I quickly pull up the doc, it's actually yak zero dot dot org. So yak so zero bring dot, up a good, dot org. You bring up a good point. So Canadians would say yak dot org. Americans would say yak zero dot org or yak nil dot org or yak zip dot org. I think we'll just go with Yakko. Yakko.org. I'm good with it. Yeah. Or Yakko Doctor, because he's so yeah. engaged in our chat. He could be the doctor of our chat room. Does that work? Yeah, might as well. I mean, he's obviously the doctor of Transformers podcasts. Legal note, I don't believe he's a, he's actually a doctor. <laughs> All right. well, you don't know. I mean, I said he I don't could believe. Be an, I said I don't he believe. Could be an, he could be an honorary Transformer doctor. That's true. I'm sorry that I, I dismissed your qualifications, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, we also had a comment from Doorbell Productions say, I have been, been with Libsyn for a while and I just discovered Podbean. I don't think I'm motivated enough to switch, but I would like to feel secure recommending them. Uh, I, you, uh, sorry, uh, I use, no, there was that someone else. Well, anyways, let's just go ahead and leave it at that comment. Okay, so he wants to know if switching from Libsyn to Podbean is a good thing or not. Honestly, it, whatever podcast media host does it for you, that's probably the one that is going to do it for you. We have set out a list of requirements that I would use in choosing a media host service. Of course, Steven would self-host. That's his first priority. I actually would self-host too. I just don't have the time to keep up with it. So I use a podcast service, podcast hosting service. The one thing, and it really, it, it's recent, but the one thing that I always had on Podbean was the fact that they were not IAB certified or they were not announcing that they were going for IAB statistics certification underneath the podcast measurement guidelines 2.0. Well, that has now changed. We have been informed that Podbean has now begun. They have commenced their certification into IAB. So before everybody would say that they were IAB compliant, thinking that it, it was just the self thing. Yes, we're, we're abiding by what the IAB 
says we should abide by, but there was no actual certification of it. Then they came up with certification. A bunch of companies, including Wishka, Art19, a bunch of companies out there got certified, and Libsyn is one of them. And that would be the differentiation, in my opinion, between Libsyn and Podbean. Not that hobby podcasts need to advertise with the statistics that you get that are IAB certified. It just is a standard throughout the industry that you know that your 200 downloads on one podcast media hosting service is going to be the same 200 downloads on another one. Before, you had no idea if that was going to be true. You had no idea what the variation and the difference was. Now you know. So you can, if you go with an IAB certified statistics provider, you can now measure your trends no matter which provider you go with. And Podbean didn't have that. Now they're going for it. They're not certified yet. Hopefully they'll be certified soon. And by soon, I don't know, six months from now, I, don't, I have no idea how long the process is going to take them. But if they do get certified, then that is the only minor issue I have be- between Libsyn and Podbean. Yeah, and I think it's a good opportunity here to clarify, and someone's going to be like, Stephen, you should say this sometime on the actual podcast, and I will. Um, but I, I have to say, like, as far as self-hosting goes, um, I am a very strong believer in self-hosting your RSS feed. However, the things have evolved so much over the last five years that there are very affordable options out there to just host your media and keep doing, like, have your self-hosted RSS feed somewhere and then host your media elsewhere. And if you were to do like a price to price comparison, unless you've actually got web hosting already, um, that's sort of the way that I would I would lean towards going is having your RSS feed on your own domain, but then self or and then having a media host host the actual media just because there are a couple really affordable options where if they go away tomorrow, okay, well, you got to update some links, but it's fine. Um, but the, even so, I don't know that that's as big of a question because like, if you look at the Podbean plan, that's, you know, you don't have that concern. They're really, they're really affordable for some of their plans that are available. And then ultimately what you want to make sure you've got access to is that RSS feed. And that's my, my big thing about self-hosting is companies can tell you, you own the portion of their website till they're blue. Wink Smart Home told me I never had to pay a subscription service. And guess what? They've moved to a subscription model. And that's what they've done. And this could happen with a media host. A media host could say, we will always redirect your feed. And then someone could come in and buy them or something could happen and they could change their mind. If you've got your RSS feed, everybody's subscribed to that. And so that's why like, I think that that's the big key part that you want to self-host. And everything beyond that, if something goes wrong, is really just like your time where it's just like, okay, it sucks. I have to go update three, 400 episodes of my back catalog with the MP3 file. But at least I know my listeners are still subscribed to my RSS feed because it's on a place that I control. So like, I, I just want to clarify that and say that I like, I actually do that for the Guinea Geek show. I have that. Um, I do that for better podcasting live chats or self-hosting the RSS feed for that but the media is elsewhere. So I, I have no problem with that approach. Ideally, you have it all pointing to a place on your server, but I just think that from a practical perspective right now and a price perspective, things have gone 
to where really I think the RSS feed is the key part to pay attention to self-hosting. Bangs Nutty Bits in the chat asked thoughts on Podcast Mirror. Now, Podcast Mirror is a service that is provided underneath the Blueberry companies to point your RSS feed to anywhere you want. So you have one RSS feed, which is held by Podcast Mirror, that you can give out to everywhere. And you can change where that is soaking up your episodes, your RSS feed, and it, you won't have to go in and change any of the destinations whatsoever. A lot like what FeedBurner has been and still is today, as far as I know. And it was always rumored that FeedBurner was going to go away. So Blueberry went ahead and made this. Ironically, Blueberry is big proponents of controlling your own RSS feed. And this is relinquishing that control to Podcast Mirror, which is owned by Blueberry. So that is all out of the way. However, I have never actually used Podcast Mirror. Steven, you have dabbled with it. I just set it up as a test to see if I was missing the part where it said I could add my own domain instead. And I've never I, I never saw it. I just logged in right now. I still don't see anything about it. So as far as I'm aware, SP, you nailed it. it, it it's great. If you think you might be hopping different media hosts for some reason, you think you might change over the course of your show, at least you've got a central feed there that can, you know, you can switch where it's pulling from, but it's not self-hosting your feed. You're still giving your feed to someone else. And I'll be honest, Podcast Mirror was something that was made as part of Blueberry. I'm still not seeing the monetization aspect of it. Why would I trust them more than Podbean or Libsyn or Pinecast even? Like, you know, I would, if I was going to do that, I think unless I thought I was going to be hopping all over the place, I would just put my feed with the media host. Now, before we get too far into this, I have to caveat it. I'm not actually sure if Blueberry owns it or Raw Voice Media owns it, which is the parent company. It's somewhere in that company umbrella. I'm good. Scroll down, copyright 2020 Blueberry Podcasting. That's what it okay. says at the bottom. There we go. Um, now, here's one of the things while we're talking about hosting, I want to mention, I think at some point we'll have to revisit Pinecast on on Better Podcasting proper. But I, I have to say, I've been pretty impressed over the last six months or so with a lot of the changes they've been making. There's still a couple things that aggravate me a bit, but I got a lot more comfort in saying that I would I would recommend someone take a look at them uh, if they were considering podcasting, just with a couple caveats. The big thing being they have not been around that long. But one of the big concerns I had was their super low price point. And over the last little while, they've done some really good things where they have been giving better ways for them to make income. They actually doubled their price of their plan, which I think puts it more in line where it seems sustainable. But they also have gone and added more features that people probably will be willing to pay for as an additional monetization source in uh, in addition to the lower price tag that they have monthly. Uh, I would like to see some sort of in some sort of indication that they are going for IAB certified or certification that would if all of a sudden they announced they were going for it, I think I would feel very, very comfortable. But right now they are still kind of in that camp that a lot of these new companies are for me, which is like, okay, they've made the right changes. They've shown themselves to be reliable. I like 
their back end overall. They say that they're doing IAB statistics, but they're still relatively new. And there's always that risk of like, since they're new, will they go away tomorrow? You don't know. But because they changed their prices, that alleviates it alleviates some of that concern that I had before, uh, personally. And they also have gotten super responsive, I thought, with with some of the ways that they have. Um, I think they've sort of pivoted. For a while there, I had some concerns over there being a roadmap that was out there and, you know, all over Reddit. They're really good about responding on Reddit. But I never saw a lot of that map materialize, but I've really seen that change over the last six to 12 months. So a lot of the things that I had in my cons columns have been removed. So I think it's a good opportunity just to mention that right now. I am, I have an account with Pinecast. I grabbed one before they raised their price. So I'm grandfathered into the $5 a month uh, account, base account. And I also have an account on Spreaker. And the reason that I had kept Spreaker around is because it would stream audio live. I don't think anybody is listening to streamed audio anymore. At one point in time, maybe, but I don't think so. So if that is the only reason that I kept it, and the other reason was that I could start as many podcast RSS feeds as I want. I just had to stay under 500 hours in totality with my account for the, with the audio on there in order to stay on that $20 a month plan. Uh, so I pretty much decided that I am going to end my account with Spreaker because they're not giving me anything. I have no podcasts on there that aren't found anywhere else. All the RSS feeds pointed somewhere else that redirected to the actual RSS feeds themselves. So there is no reason for me anymore to keep Spreaker. The one remaining thing I'll have to caveat <laughs> with Spreaker is that they are IAB certified with right. the stats, whereas Pinecast is not. But if I don't care about those shows anyway, then mm, and eventually I think Pinecast will have to go IAB certified or they will be caught behind the curve. And hopefully the fact that they've raised their prices will give them a little bit more capital to make those changes. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't actually checked out their pro analytics. So like the base analytics are pretty basic, but I think I think they're good enough for a lot of hobby podcasters because they're mostly just a number. But if you want to get into other things like country and city level and other factors. They are they do offer that for an extra 10 bucks a month. And that's basically doubling your plan if you were to come in on the current price. but that if you have multiple shows, it it doesn't hurt as much um, to see that, but it still is within the realm of some of the other uh, media providers out there, especially if you have multiple shows. Again, I've been pretty happy so far with what I've seen. I don't know that I, I think there's been a, an outage here or there that that were big reasons. Like there was one that I know I think SP had linked me to that they had made a post, but it was while there was all big internet outage so like there's other things that were affected um but i i will see we'll see but so far i've been pretty pretty happy with what i've been seeing out of there especially over the last six to 12 months so a long answer to dorabelle production <laughs> oh yeah question. that was the question <laughs> uh to, to answer his question more directly if i was on libsyn already i'm not sure i would make the jump to podbean i think 
the redirection of feeds all over the place would just be too much hassle for me in order to go from one place to the other. And then I would go down in my stats. Basically, I would go from the IAB certified stats. So, I mean, if I was already on Libsyn, I was already on their $20 a month plan, unless I wanted to save a couple of bucks every month, which I could do on Libsyn itself by pulling back the plan to the 250 uh, megabytes per month plan. I think it's not worth the hassle for me personally, but other people might think differently. I mean, people think about podcasting as differently as anything else in the world and better podcasting. We're just saying what we would account for best practices in this particular case. It's almost a wash to me, whichever one you want to do. So it's not really a best uh, practice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, in regard to the recommending part, I, I think you would be quite fine to recommend them to other people. Uh, I Chris Farrell, he's been on the podcast before. He's our co-host on the Gunna Geek Show. He has been with Pinecast since the beginning. Back when they first came out, they had some significant problems. He stayed with them through that, and then they changed some server things. This was years and years and years and years ago, and uh, he's had really good experience with them. Another big thing happened in the realm of podcasting this past week since we recorded last, and that is Podcast Attic, which arguably is one of the main (laughs) podcast apps on the Android infrastructure. So Podcast Attic was removed because of content, allegedly, that they were giving out there in relation to a certain major medical issue that is surrounding the world right now. The questionable thing was uh, Podcast Addict doesn't actually control any of its own content like any other app out there like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, whatever. It's largely just pulling content from podcasters like us into their apps. So they're not really controlling any of the content out there. And, And also Google flagged Podcast Addict and removed Podcast Addict, but didn't remove its own app, which had the same very podcasts on it touting the same very things that Podcast Addict had. So I am just scratching my head over this and wondering if this was just a bot gone wrong and that it will be fixed in the future. Maybe this is Google playing bad pool right now and trying to get rid of competitors. I have no idea. But the point is, we don't know at this point. And Podcast Addict is back in the Google Play Store. Here's the thing is... I love a good conspiracy theory. I, I think a conspiracy theory is fun to live through. Um, but there are so many other podcast apps that were not taken down. And so I just don't see it. I don't see it because there were other ones that were left. I think what it is, is typical Google uh, bureaucracy where they have an established protocol within their system and their established protocol has countless times shown to be non-user friendly when something goes wrong. Get one of your videos flagged incorrectly on YouTube. Try to find out some information. Tell me how that works out. It's not going to work out well for you. And this was over the course of a couple of days, including some string of back and forth messages after somebody reviewed it and then was like, oh, we got to stand behind it. And I think that it was just a matter that there was so-and-so down the ladder did not um, have enough pull to be able to actually bump that 
to where it needed to be go to go. They went and they went, I'm going to bump it to my supervisor. And their supervisor went and said, well, the Google policy says I say no, it stays removed. And then maybe that person went to theirs and they're like, nope, still, I can't do anything about it. It's just, it's beyond my pay grade. And then eventually it just blew up to the point that business started to, you know, get back in with the week. And some of the people who do have the pull to make the decision went, oh, yeah, that was a stupid move. And so uh, that's actually, if you have a look here, um, there was a tweet that came out from uh, the senior vice president of Android and the Play Store that um, said that it was falsely flagged and should not have been pulled from the store. So uh, apologies to, quote, apologies to podcast addict fans today. We are still sorting out the kinks in our process as we combat COVID misinformation, but this app should not have been removed. Carry on with your podcast, folks. And that was from uh, Hiroshi uh, Lockheimer. So uh, anyway, senior vice president of Android at the Google, at the Play Store. So I, I don't know. Google is just, like I said, I think they have a long history of showing that they have too much policies for their own good sometimes. One of the great things about being a podcaster is that you can work with some technology that maybe the normal folks don't have available to them. At the start of the stay-at-home orders back in March, I released a video showing my Studio B, which I set up for my daughter to go ahead and teach from home and uh, record lessons and uh, basically do some uh, collaborative calls. I don't necessarily know if they use Zoom or not, but collaborative calls uh, to teach and, and uh, interface with students. And she had some of the best gear out there, which was literally slapped together from scrap I had laying around. It, granted, I've been podcasting with Better Podcasting for quite some time, so I have accrued a lot of gear. So this wouldn't necessarily work for a brand new podcaster. However, those of us that podcast have some excellent stories about our ability to excel in this era of stay-at-home orders in schooling or telework or stuff like that. This past week, Stephen, who got to enter into that foray, into the stay-at-home helping his kids with some video. He's going to tell you the story in a second. It was a really fun project that he put together, which basically excel. It's probably the one and only time that Stephen's going to be able to excel as a parent. So I'm going to hand it to him this time and that he did a great job. I will let him tell the story. Long story short, uh, I said, hey, contact SP, and I walked away. That's how it went. And that's why I get so many calls from your sons. <laughs> no, uh, my son had a fun little project with his school. Uh, for the audio listener, I was giving the video listener a few clues, a little foreshadowing to what I was going to talk about. And um, they basically were told that, okay, you need to... You need to read a page from the book, get it on video, and we'll put the video all together. And then you can see your classmates read the story. And so there was one last week and this week uh, it was my son's turn to be a part of this. And I looked at last week's content and I pretty much what you would expect, you know, because they're doing this all digital. It was someone holding the video camera uh, with the you know iPad in front of them or the laptop or the computer, whatever it was, you know, reading their page from the book. Sometimes they were kind of, you know, camera in front of them. Sometimes they were sideways to the camera, whatever it was. And I'm like, also the audio, 
It's, it's also what you would expect. You know, regular camera audio, shuffling, all these things. I'm like, I, I can do this. This is easy for me. I spent like two nights doing a crappy joke where I photoshopped or I uh, cloned myself in front of a green screen to play in a band. This will be a cakewalk for me. So what I did was I went and I got my son hooked up with the lav mic. I set him up in this very studio because behind my webcam, I have a TV that I use to monitor this so that I'm kind of always facing the camera. So if you picture there's a screen behind the camera. So when I am looking, I'm still facing the camera. I will say I am totally jealous of that. I don't have my desk space uh, arranged to the point where I can actually do that at the moment, but I am so jealous. Eventually, I will get there to have a screen, a prime screen in front of me and have the camera smack dab in the middle of the screen, you know, on a tripod so that I can actually view the documents that I'm talking to and face the people that I'm talking to by just facing the camera. That's going to be so cool. So I'm jealous <laughs> of that, Stephen. So did that. And not only that, but I also got the green screen out. I put the green screen behind him so that I could have good audio. Well, good enough audio because, I, you know, the microphone, he's a, he's a kid, he moves. So that's why I put the, the lav mic on there. But the green screen was so that I could put the pages of the book behind him. So I had to help one up the other kids. And I'm pretty sure that he did because the teacher was very quick to respond and say, oh, thank you very much. That's awesome. And uh, I look forward to the other kids crying. <laughs> like I said, the one and only time Steven gets to be a good parent. Okay, so uh, on that note, I had a couple thoughts afterwards, you know, because in, in retrospect, I should have used this microphone or one of them and just slightly put it off frame and then masked it out. In retrospect, I should have, but I was kind of visually... I'm used to looking at the whole frame on this show, so I kind of considered what was going to be in frame, and I should have done that. Um, but anyways, lesson learned. It's okay. It sounded okay. But the other thing I was thinking about, I did that uh, RTX test, if you remember, SP. I did that RTX test a while yep. ago, and in it, I used my shotgun microphone for one of the tests. And in a room like this, it echoes a lot. But sometimes it does sound a little bit better than a lav mic. And I was thinking to myself, I usually with the shotgun microphone, the uh, Rode Video Mic Go or the lav mic. I think this is the Boya something M1, I think BM1. I don't know. Anyways, um, I usually use my Zoom H1. I dig out a handheld recorder, dig that out, use that. But I was thinking that I no longer use my Zoom H6 in production. The reason I've kind of done this is because back when I started tinkering with these couple things, my H6 was in production, so I didn't want to disconnect it. But maybe I should start using that. The preamps are probably better on it. They are better. Uh, but I could also, if I'm in a situation, I could give myself that backup. So I could just set up my shotgun microphone hook up the lav, and have both going at the same time. So I just thought of that the other day. Maybe I should do that in future videos where I'm using those. I have experimented with that before. I do have a Zoom H5. I also have the Zoom SGH6 shotgun microphone, which is one of the capsules. It's interchangeable between the Zoom H5 and the H6. It's that special connection that Zoom has that goes together. I have done it where I have a... Uh, lav mic and the shotgun microphone it, it gets a little entangled if you don't have a long enough cord on the lav mic to in order to do it plus 
you have to have a adapter to go from the lab mic input into a XL, XLR connection because the normal 3.5 millimeter connection into the H5 is in the XY microphone capsule. And so you're taking that off, you're putting the shotgun microphone on, and those are the inputs that you're using for the shotgun microphone. So like I said, there's all sorts of things and workarounds. It is possible. However, I think the ultimate fun thing would just be to get uh, a, a remote mic pack that you see all these TV stars using, or, or perhaps even, you know, Zoom makes that F1 now, which is basically a mic pack recorder in of itself for lab mics. This is all extra money. So, you know, whatever. You have the H6, you could use it. Yeah. No, I, I've thought about the wireless thing as well, but that's another Times project. <laughs> Years from now, when you're fooling around with something else with video, because for you, it's going to be video motivated. Yeah, you know me. That That's me. I'm a big fan of, fan of doing video stuff. But I guess now we've gone up that territory, haven't we there? Or we've gone, uh, we've barked up that tree, didn't we? It, we certainly have. Another tree we have not barked up a lot recently is the fact that if you have a podcast and you think you might be a good fit for the Get a Geek network. We do have an application website for you to join us. You can find that at gunnageek.com slash join, and you can fill it out and start the application process to be part of the network. That is, if you are looking to be part of a network and you think you can fit into the Gunna Geek family. Uh, I just noticed over on uh, Twitter, we had a couple different most posts, including from a Jeremy Barker asking if we saw the message. So we will acknowledge I saw the message, saw the message just a little bit late. Uh, also, uh, we had a question from Coffee with Sven uh, saying regarding your owning your RSS feed uh, or a quick comment, I uh, use Anchor as media host doesn't get any cheaper. You know, we, we've had a couple of discussions before about Anchor on that. Um, one of the things that I've got a big question mark with Anchor right now is what the future plan is like, because obviously when they were bought by Spotify, all of those concerns I talked earlier about Pinecast, about financial stability, those are gone, right? Those are entirely gone once Spotify buys you. I'm just really curious what the future is with Anchor, because I was very cautious about Anchor for a plethora of reasons when they came out. And th I think there was good reasons to be. Once Spotify buys, that, buys them, that alleviates a lot of those. But we haven't really seen much. They said they were going to carry on the way that they were. And I think from a day-to-day, -day, like if I'm hosting with them, perspective they have. But I haven't seen much development out of it or even discussion from them about what their plans are with Anchor. And I would really like to know because if they came out and and, you know, and Spotify was like really helping grow that in a new way or, you know, they're continuing on sort of the development path they're on. I think that would be super enticing. I've talked before about how I think Spotify getting into the, the business has been a really good thing for podcasting. And that would just be a, uh, a sweet, sweet deal if they did. But I just can't shake that feeling that maybe Spotify is looking to use their technology or take them another way eventually. but. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious. I, I really genuinely am curious about the future of Anchor. I think the future of Anchor is tied to when is their venture capital going to run out? 
specifically for Anchor. And when that happens, then they can pull from the Spotify coffers. But at some point, they're going to have to make money. So it's a question of when. It's not like it can be a loss leader like in other places. The bandwidth is going to chew you up. The storage is going to chew you up to the point where you need to maintain profitability. And I don't know how much time they're going to give it. Are they going to give it another year, two years, five years, something like that? I just don't see it going on forever. It's going to stop at some point. Is this good enough for a podcast today? Yeah, but there's so many other things with Anchor that I have an issue with. Uh, One of the things is they make it a little bit, they make it easy for them to take care of everything for you. That means they make it a little bit difficult for you to own your own stuff, own your own feed, make sure your email address is in there versus the Anchor email address. So when something comes up, like say the Google Podcast Manager, you can easily go in and have an email sent to you versus somebody else. I haven't played with Anchor long enough to know if you can go in there and change the the email address owner or not. But I mean, those are the sorts of things that I worry about with Anchor, but they do make it really easy to start up a podcast. So like we were talking about just a couple months ago, stay at home orders. Hey, you got to do something, right? Might might as well start a podcast. If you've ever been thinking about it, now's kind of the time if you can't have any sort of gear, including a smartphone to start one. Anchor was a great place to start. But if you're going to get serious, you probably want to use something else other than Anchor, in my opinion. I guess we'll just see what ends up happening in the end. Time will one one day how, be told. How much time are you willing to give Anchor? That, that's the thing. For my purpose, they don't really fit my my structure, my my model, right? It's like so, what I'm looking for. So I, I wouldn't give them any time. Like for me so personally. I- as a better podcasting co-host, how much time are you going to give them for our audience? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I could answer that, if I'm being honest. I don't know that I could answer that because, like I said, I have a variety of questions about what's going on with Anchor right now. And I was willing to give them a lot more when Spotify bought them. And for a then, while there, and then Wishka was there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I'm not sure. But anyways, that was a fun little discussion we had there. And uh, just just do what works for you, I guess, uh, as far as as hosting, knowing that there could be there could be problems with with them and and do your risk assessment and make your own decision based off of your own risk assessment tree and know that asking which media host should I, should I use is, is not a good question. Things to watch out for is how many downloads are they going to give you per month? Even if you have multiple shows, how, you know, how many downloads per show, how many downloads per account are they going to give you? If they cap you at a certain amount of downloads, uh, it might be okay if you get like 200 downloads per episode. But if you're in the thousands per episode, probably want to really look at that and see if it fits your model. Some limit the amount of data that you can upload. So you have to look at it in terms of how much data am I going to have to upload? How, uh, how, how big am I going to produce my files? You, know, you could do a two-hour podcast and, and do some really funky things with the audio to make it sound like crap, but make the file size really small. So you know there are ways to get around things, but you also have to look at audio quality as well. And you have to look at statistics. You have to look at 
innovations you have to look at. Are they going to maintain industry standards? I mean, there's a, a variety of things that you have to look at in order to make your own risk assessment. I mean, I laid out some things, but I'm more of an advocate of you need to do your own due diligence and less about me saying what the correct media hosting is. I think that's a good place to leave it on for today. Uh, We'd love to know what sort of questions you want us to answer in the future. What other things would you like us to cover on better casting proper? And why should SP not help my kids in the future? Because, you know, it's just going to keep happening unless you give them a good reason. So I'm just going to keep sending him them to SP. I think the biggest reason is your brother isn't available to help him. I, I, you know, <laughs> so I'm second choice anyway. I want to say thank you to people like Bangs Naughty Bits, Liberty Dude, Johnny Pennington, Suncast Newsreel, Zachary. I want to say a big shout out to the Barkster. I don't know what his, it's Jeremy Bark. I don't know what he's, his user ID is on, uh, on Discord or here in the, uh, the Guinea Geek chat. But I want to say thank you to, to those guys for, uh, shuffling in and joining us with this live chat and uh, chatting with us and giving us some questions as we go along. You guys are awesome. So on that note for episode number eight of Better Podcasting Live Chat, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yep, it's live, it's unedited, and we talk over each other all the time. Even though we've been hosting together for a long Bye. time. Yes. Bye. See what I did there? <laughs> I did. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.